Let's Science is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. We live in a universe of scientific wonders. Every day, scientists are inching towards breakthroughs which can change our lives. We're playing our small part in sharing these wonders with you. That's why today is a fine day for science. So let's science. So Caroline, you, you've got some, uh, some, some interesting topics. So uh, water on the moon. So let's talk about that. And, um, and screaming plants. I, that, I'm, I'm interested. So yeah. Caroline, we're in your hands. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's a couple of short but very interesting topics. Um, So water trapped in glass spherules have been found on the moon. Let me explain. So Chinese researchers working on lunar samples obtained from the 2020 Chang'e 5 moon mission, which we've mentioned before in our podcast, um, they have found glass spherules or tiny spheres that contain water. Uh, China's Lunar Exploration Program discovered that these strange glass beads possibly mean that the moon's surface could contain billions of tonnes of water. Oh, cool. The glass spherules are thought to have been created by the impact of meteorites on the lunar surface to form something called microtectite. Microtectites, what are they? They are glassy or silicate spherules or beads of terrestrial crust material that formed as melted and cooled debris from natural high-velocity impacts. So as a side note, microtectites are already found in abundance all over the Earth. So when a meteorite hits the Earth, sediment and rock are often melted and ejected into the air. And as the melted rock falls, it quickly cools to form into glassy rock called into a glassy rock called a tectite. So the microtectites found on the moon are thought to have formed when meteorites impact the moon's surface at hundreds of thousands of miles per hour, causing chunks of lunar crust to rise above the moon's surface. It is, it's quite a high impact. Plumes are then created and silicate minerals from the surface are heated to molten temperatures by the force of the impact and combine to form the tiny glass beads that are then sprinkled all over the moon's surface. So they're quite widespread. The resulting glass beads may have trapped water. They may have trapped water molecules inside them during the cooling process. So the moon's soil and the microtectites which have formed actually contain oxygen. And when they come into contact with ionized hydrogen atoms from solar winds, the oxygen and the molten spheres react to form water that actually ends up inside the spheres. So you get a little bit of water formation. Go chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> over time, <laughs> over time, some of the spheres are actually buried under the lunar regolith and the, ro- the regolith means rocks, soil and dust on the moon. And they become trapped underground with the water still inside them. At the right temperatures, some of these beads release water into the moon's atmosphere and onto the surface, acting like a reservoir that is slowly refilled over time. So this means that the spheres could become actually a source of water as well as hydrogen and oxygen for space agencies such as NASA in the future and also the China China National Space Administration that 
and both of these agencies want to build uh, moon bases and the CNSA, which is the China Nat- National Space Administration, actually project that their base will be completed as soon as 2029. So that would be wow. really cool, really interesting. Now, planetary geologist and co-author of this study of these spheres, his name is Sen Hu, said that if we want to extract the water in impact glass beads for future lunar exploration, first we collect the beads, then we boil them in an oven and cool them and release the water vapor. Oh, so yeah. finally you'll get liquid water in a bottle. Yeah. Another benefit is that impact glass beads, very common in the lunar soils from equator to polar and from east to west globally and evenly. So that that makes it easier. You can find them all over the moon, which is quite amazing um, that they're all over the moon. It's estimated that the spheres of found all over the moon could contain about 300 million tonnes of water. Oh, so that's quite me. a lot. Wow, that's a reservoir. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it'd be definitely useful for astronauts or people based on the moon in the future to be able to extract the water from the tiny spheres. So I thought that was amazing. Um, I mean, to us, just looking at the moon, it just looks dry, dusty, Mm. but actually it contains these tiny, tiny little spheres that um, contain water. So yeah, in the future, watch out for this. Can, yeah, I, yeah, can I link this to some space news really quickly? So we, so last year, no, this year, what am I saying? This year we were very excited. Was it this year? By the Artemis mission. Was that this year? Yeah, the yeah. Artemis mission this oh, yeah. year. Yeah. Artemis yeah. mission. Yeah. So next year, the Artemis 2 mission launches, and this will be the oh, first. Oh, next year is it? Oh, yep. okay. So it'll right. be the first piloted by astronauts mission. They won't actually land yeah. on the moon, but they're going yeah. to do the exact yeah, same journey as Artemis here. 1. And they'll go, so this is, um, so it'll be piloted by Commander Reed Wiseman, Pilot Victor Glover, not Danny Glover, Victor Glover. Um, yeah. not, sending, not sending Han Solo to the moon. No, it's not Danny Glover. It's Vic, wait, which Glover am I talking about? Don't worry about it. Anyway, Pilot Victor Glover. Mission Specialist <laughs> Christina uh, Hammoth uh, uh, Kosh and uh, Mission Specialist Jeremy Hansen. So, uh, the, the, the import, why that is important is because the Artemis missions are, like you said, Caroline, they're building towards a human presence on the moon, a permanent human presence. That's right. And the moon is important because the Artemis missions are not just about the moon, but they're also about Mars. And the and water uh, can be used to create, uh, well, like you said, oxygen, which is an important element in rocket fuel. So uh, it is actually more efficient and less costly to launch a Mars mission from the moon than it is from Earth. And so this is an important thing, important part of it. Um, SpaceX, I should also mention very quickly, um, uh, it's getting very exciting. We've been talking about this for ages and, you know, it's imminent, it's imminent. So We just can't wait. Yeah. We're going to be talking about it for years. Until yeah, for sure. Until it all um, so what they've announced, um, but they've announced officially, provided they get approval from the FAA, their, um, their first orbital launch attempts. So on April 10th, they're going to, or April 10th and 11th, they're going to be doing the fuel, the full fueling testing of the rocket and then on the 17th uh, or sometime around that time they want to do the actual launch attempt so elon musk tweeted that contradiction of a man he tweeted that um oh, that the, oh, that, um, that uh that the the rocket's ready to go it's ready to go they just and they, they want to launch it so they want to launch that first test once starship is yeah once starship is up and running it will be able to take more tons to orbit than any other rocket that exists. And part of that, part of that also means equipment to the moon as well. 
So the Artemis missions will take equipment to the moon, Starship will, and this equipment will obviously, Caroline, at some point will be equipment that can convert water into, you know, it can produce yeah. moon water, produce oxygen, yeah. which is obviously necessary for people to breathe, but also for, um, for rocket fuel for future missions down the track. So, and, and, for, and for whichever enterprising person is able to um, create moon water as a, as a drink for people to have here on Earth as oh. well. Try amazing. moon water. Yeah, it would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Better than natural spring water. You get yeah. natural water. Natural moon water. Moon water. Yeah. Moon water. Yeah. Moon water. <laughs> Once you get past the dust, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably they filter it out. Yeah. Evian's crunchy moon water. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, having that natural resource there already is a yeah. huge help. Yeah, huge definitely. Help for future yeah. space missions. So, yeah. I just hope they – I just have a small environmental concern for yes. the moon. Like I hope that um, they take care and maybe think about it before just going ahead and dredging and up And strip the, mining it, exactly. Yes, of course, of course, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's very important. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah, and then beyond the moon, obviously, there are other – there are already – there's a, a mission to – the, some of the planets of oh my goodness is it Jupiter or whatever it is that some of the watery the moons the, yes. the, yeah the moons yeah, yeah um, that's happening yeah. soon in terms of orbiting and yeah. studying and so on uh, yeah those so, are going to be great so I, more more rocket fuel more I oxygen potential myself. yeah that's oh, right just, yeah, yeah yeah yes no the planets I mean the moons there are just like little planets themselves they're so dynamic they're yeah. amazing yeah as as Jimmy Aiken yeah. says the moon Earth's sister planet you know but yeah. So That's small right. planets, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, wow. All right, Caroline, so, yeah, screaming plants, what's going on here? So I'd like you to spare a thought for your plants when I speak about this. I definitely thought about my beautiful plants a little bit differently. Oh, we love Anyone our plants. Anyone who listens yeah. to the podcast for a yeah. while knows that I love my plants. But you're a plant lady um, for sure, yes. Yes. <laughs> so did you know plants actually scream or at least make sounds when they're under stress? The sounds they make, however, are too high frequency for us to hear, which is great because <laughs> we don't want to hear our plants, poor things, screaming Definitely all the time. Can you imagine um, on a windy day when they're a bit upset with the strong winds, they're all going, ah, right. well, that would be a very terrible exactly. sound. Yeah, it would be awful, yeah. Then they seem so calm too. They do, oh, yeah. Look yeah. at them differently now. Yeah. So <laughs> this, was a, this information is according to research performed by scientists in the Tel Aviv University in Israel. So what they did is placed microphones near stressed tomato and tobacco plants. The instruments picked up crops, ultrasonic squeals from about 10 centimetres away and were in the 20 to 100 kilohertz range, which is a volume that could feasibly be detected by some organisms from up to several metres away, the authors said. So... Animals and plants might listen and react to the silent scream of plants, and perhaps humans could too, with the right tools in hand, the authors added. The idea that sounds that drought-stressed plants could make could be used in precision agriculture seems feasible if it's not too costly to set up the recording in a field situation. So it's already known that plants respond to stress in a variety of ways. So some of them may release a smelly, cool, smelly chemical compound. Some of them change color and shape in respond to droughts and bites from hungry herbivores. In previous studies, researchers affixed recording devices directly to plants to listen to secret sounds inside their stems. 
in plants stressed by drought, air bubbles formed, popped and triggered vibrations with the tissue that normally carries water up the plant's stems. The process, known as cavitation, was picked up by the attached recording devices, but the Tel Aviv researchers wanted to know if any plant sounds could travel through the air. So, the team set up microphones near stressed out tobacco and tomato plants and placed, they were placed in either a soundproof box or an open greenhouse space. The researchers actually induced some stress, so they subjected one set of crops to drought conditions and another to a physical to physical damage was basically cut stems. Then they had a third control group, which is always a good idea to have in a scientific um, experiment. And these were untouched and served, um, like I mentioned, as a control group. So the recordings reveal a few different things, that different plant species made distinct sounds at varying rates depending on the stress they were subjected to. Drought-stressed tomatoes emitted about 35 ultrasonic squeals per hour on average, while those with cut stems made about 25 ultrasonic squeals per hour. So it seems the cut stem is a bit less stressful than being in drought, which I guess makes sense <laughs> um, for a plant, because a plant could grow their stems back, but they need water. So drought-stressed tobacco plants let out about 11 screams per hour, and cut crops made about 15 sounds in the same time. So, interesting. The average number of sounds emitted by untouched plants fell below one per hour. So, you don't touch your plants and you keep them watered, they're happy. They're, they're happy. not screaming. So, yep. I'm assuming most of my plants here are not screaming yes. right now. Nice. It's raining a lot and I yeah, haven't cut yeah, them. Yeah, so, yeah, true, true. Yeah. Actually, I did trim them last week, so they might be a little unhappy with me. I, I um, feel a bit sorry for... So, a couple of weeks ago, I bought a, a, a type of grass called pet grass, which, um, which was yes. pitched to us as a grass that your pets could eat so it would leave your other plants alone. I'm kind of starting to yeah. feel sorry for that plant now because I, I, you know, every time, <laughs> every yes. time I encourage Luna to have a bite, what am I actually doing? Yeah. Well, as long as you keep it watered, it will scream half the time. Yeah, true, maybe, true. All right. so. We do look after Ooh, it. Yeah, it's a beautiful, yeah, like, yeah. lovely pet grass. Yes, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to finish off, researchers wondered also if they could identify each plant solely on its signature screams since there was a variation in the noises. Using machine learning, the team actually picked out distinct features in each set of sounds and sorted their plants into three categories so they could actually identify the plants by whether they were dry, they were cut, or they were intact. So, really, in the future, farmers may be able to use these sounds to determine whether yeah. their crops are stressed, well, yeah. either to, to drought or being snipped. And perhaps in the future there will be other kinds of stresses like chemicals or, you know, uh, maybe crop other, uh, what do you call it, insects, infestation, mm -hmm. things yeah. like that. Plague, yeah. 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 Yep. So, I mean, you could envisage like maybe there's a crop of beautiful, say, sunflowers and, uh, you know, some happy people are coming along say, oh, these beautiful sunflowers, you know, I'm going to take some. And the, the <laughs> farmers are able to listen to their crop and go, hang on a minute, somebody's uh, cutting these who's touching sunflowers. my sunflowers? <laughs> and yes, out they go me? to their crop. Wow. Get off my sunflowers. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so that's just my application that came first in my head. But, yeah, yeah. so um, I thought that was really interesting. Interesting. It is like it is though because I think I was thinking as you were doing this the application of it like you could yeah in the future at some point you know have some kind of meter some kind of something that measures 
and reports, you know, what the status of the health of your plants are in terms of stress. Um, and it could probably help to sort of create conditions that are the least stressful. So plants are thriving, you know, for growing crops and even just for your amateur garden, gardener, you know, you could market a little meter that goes into your, oh, yeah. you know, into your pot and, great. you know, measures the, you know, if your plants are screaming and, and maybe recommends why, you know, like the type of scream, whether it's because of water yeah. or because of, you know, or maybe whatever, it needs yeah. a particular chemical yeah, or, it's or missing something, something. Yeah. Fertilize it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then going a step further, in the future, growing plants on the moon, the moon or on Mars, having some kind of um, yeah, some technology to detect yeah. how the plants are going could prevent crop death and things, so that people are able to eat. As you know, though, Caroline, in space, no one can hear you scream. I'm sorry. So, so. <laughs> but what about on the surface yeah. of the moon or so, the Mars? Uh, it's still space, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I thought that was, that was very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's blocked. So, spare a thought for your beautiful yeah. plants when you haven't fed them, watered them, haven't fed them, and you're giving them a bit of a trim. Just give them a little cuddle after you've trimmed them if you need to. I think that would be really nice for them. All, yeah. all creation is shouting for joy and just thinking of scripture, you know, just, uh, um, yeah. yeah, like. And sometimes you know, screaming so in pain. Yeah, they're literally, oh, no. yeah. So our plants are literally screaming. So let's help them scream for joy like they should be, you know, but, you know, uh, yeah. But, you but, know, we can also help by not just cuddling them, but by talking to them. You know how some people yeah, say yeah. when they talk to their plants, or oh, I think there's a study that's been done, like playing music, different ah, calming I've music heard to about plants that. help yeah. them. Yeah. So, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. I'm serious. So, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. There you I, go. I must admit I have a confession, and I'm probably... <laughs> Easter is the right time for your confession, Lena. Go it ahead. Is, yes. It is. Yeah. Tell the confession. I've um, probably killed um, three bonsais, so... Uh, Bonsais are a bit difficult. You, yeah. you definitely yeah, need a meter for that. Need a meter yeah. for that. You yeah. need yeah. some kind of um, uh, instrumentation. Yeah. yeah, I'm serious. It was yeah. When when you were talking about this, um, Caroline, I thought to myself, I am so so guilty. Oh, I'm so <laughs> Look, we all are guilty of. Oh, uh, it was gardening you know, is always fault. trial and it's error. My fault. error you it's, know? Yes. It's, it is my fault. For doing you this. didn't water it, did you? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, that is another story. I can't say it on the podcast, but it was, just, yeah. It was, I've just killed a couple of them already. <laughs> yeah, look, we've all we've all killed plants. We've all accidentally, you know, run the mower over a, some flowers or whatever. We've all done it. Oh, but no. let's be more conscious of our plants, I guess. Yeah. Um. I was thinking, like, you know, you know, everyone used to joke, and this is not po- poking fun at anyone, all right? But you know, people used to like um argue with like with their vegan friends. And um, you know, and they and they'd say, you know, it's it's oh, harming yeah. and they go, oh yeah, but you're harming plants. Don't you feel bad about that? Um, yeah. there might actually be a bit of truth to you that statement. Are. Yeah, yeah, they're screaming in pain. Yeah, yes. The only way to not harm anything is just to stop eating altogether. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Oh no, yes. Lindsay. Oh, okay, okay. Just Can live just... on air. Just live on air. That's right. Moon yeah, water. <laughs> yeah. Twice the flavor, twice the grit. Mm-mm. Wow! I think well, you could come up with many, many slogans for moon water. Well, last time Lino and I were coming up with um with slogans for Roman concrete. Remember, self healing concrete. Yeah, we were coming up with slogans for that in the last science, one of the previous science ones. So you see, yeah, we did, we did, we did, we did. Yeah, let science is brought to you by StarQuest Media and is a fortnightly podcast that brings you the scientific wonders of our universe from a distinctly Catholic point of view. For more from Caroline, Lindsay, and friends, listen to the StarQuest Show. 
Catholics of Oz. Find links from today's show at sqpn.com slash science. And find the Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com slash Oz. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. The generous donations of our patrons at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue Let Science and all the shows at StarQuest, which makes our nonprofit mission possible. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Join us next time for more scientific wonders. And thank you for listening to Let's Science on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, Raising the Bets. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S, bets.